Obviously, Doctor, you've never been a 13-year-old girl. I I did my homework. Um, cruel Intentions. Wow. Literally insane. The fucking... Sorry, wait, can I swear? Yeah, you can. Totally. You can cool. say anything. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, the sister and brother, like, stepsister and brother dynamic, that's insane. That really caught me off guard. I was like, okay. Um, but no, I mean, iconic from beginning to end. Like, um, it's just like, it's very heavily based on, like that teen need to be liked you know what I mean just to be liked and to I mean it's the whole thing is about their reputation you know it's like when (laughs) when I first watched it when they were like talking about reputation I was like wait what do they mean and they literally they they just meant like high school I was like what (laughs) it's just but it it does like when you're in that time in your life like it really does feel like it's everything or nothing you know right yeah I was actually well I it used to be like one of my favorite movies growing up. Like I watched it so many times as a teenager and then I rewatched it again yesterday. And I was just thinking about that, but like, cause I don't know if you know the history of the film, like it's technically an adaptation of the dangerous liaisons, which is like an old French novel. Oh, um, and there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of like actual, the, 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 the book takes place in like the 18th century in France. So obviously like they have to like change the context, change the characters, change the dynamic mm-hmm. a bit to like adapt it into the, into like a teen film in the late nineties. But like the whole like reputation thing, I guess comes from yeah. there. But then, yeah, like I was thinking about it and it's like, it makes a lot of sense in the teen high school context as well, especially yeah. when we're talking about like American high schools and like, like I, mean, whole, I, like, I obviously have less knowledge on that one but yeah no def- like I, I could feel it um but yeah no definitely like it just is like at that point in your life everything is like oh my god wait no they think this of me oh my god wait so my life is done even though I'm 15 or you know what I mean and it's just like right. just got such a small spectrum like you really um yeah I don't know <laughs> No, it's very true. It's like, um, it's also like, I I find it really interesting because like the main character in the film, Sebastian, is basically like his whole thing is that he wants to be perceived as a bad person, right? Like his whole reputation is basically is that he's a dick. And like- That's the thing as well. Yeah, and like when I think about it now, like they work kind of a lot of people in high school, like when you're at that age, I guess it's kind of like a defense mechanism, but still like some people do generally want to be seen as like evil. (laughs) Like the evil one, like the one that will cut you, like, you know, but I, I mean, when watching it, I did find it really interesting that, I mean, pretty obvious, but the way that 
the boy is wanting the bad reputation and like the girl has to keep this like almost virginal like you know what I mean it it, it really promoted that and like I, th- I found that really interesting because obviously like I you feel those pressures as a woman as well like growing up and I don't know it's just like I thought that was really um a really interesting dynamic to like see that and like the way that is she he, he can just do whatever he wants like it, literally he just do whatever he wants <laughs> like and even like goes out of his way to do the dirtiest thing that he like you know what I mean whereas she's just like confined and I, I mean, mean it, obviously at the end sorry but then no, 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 the iconic monologue, though, like the one that she, you know, it's kind of like a cool girl monologue from Gone Girl as well. Yeah. She's just standing yeah. there and she's like, do you think I relish the fact that I have to act like Mary Sunshine, like 24-7 or whatever she's exactly. like? It's, it is like a very, but it is interesting because like Catherine as a character, I think, has kind of like achieved cult status by this point. So it's like, just by the fact that like in the context of the film, like, yeah, she's supposed to be like, she's pretending to be a different person. But then the fact that like she is this evil, like really manipulative, like very sort of dark character has Mm. become what basically made her famous, like culturally speaking. Like that's, you know, like the image, like the crucifix with the, with the little like. So I got my front and neck too. It's like, girl. (laughs) Yeah. Like that is such like an iconic accessory, you know, like how many girls watch that film? Like, you know, search it up on Depop after. Literally, yeah. I, I'm on eBay. Like, just listen. Like, <laughs> kind of need that. Me and me and uni, just like. I mean, I always have a crush on my neck, but. Lucky. <laughs> I was gonna say you're very like Catherine Core <laughs> with like the cross and everything. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's. I actually don't know why. This is like a rosary as well, but it the cross isn't on the end anymore. It broke off at a house party once. <laughs> um. <laughs> like I was on my hands and knees like looking for her like where is it but um no I just my 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 mother's very religious so that's why I just kind of I'm not I've got my own you know beliefs but yeah she's very like Catholic and church on Sunday you know like anyway so I'm just going on a random one there but yeah I mean Catherine's cross I could never she's uh that is the ultimate like accessory for a woman (laughs) right but then like her I guess yeah like as you said like the fact that in in the context of the film she's still like supposed to be like acting as this like virginal like um pure figure in order to be perceived a certain way in the context of the school like in the context of society and I guess like in the original novel like obviously that makes a lot more sense because it's like the 18th century and like women's Mm -hmm. reputation were very different back then but like even in like a teen movie in the late 90s that does kind of it's like you know like the whole like laura palmer twin peaks thing where it's like like it's a very like two-faced yeah yeah i mean and also it, it wouldn't make i mean can you imagine if they made the film and they both were just these devious like you know it just it just it doesn't have the same you know like you kind of need that tension there do you know what i'm saying like um yeah no it is it is it is interesting how like I don't know but yeah no you're right that that like builds up to the monologue scene I was like okay all right because I wasn't really liking her up until that and then I was like no wait okay (laughs) she's just like she's just under the pressure every other woman is like she's doing her best (laughs) yeah no for sure definitely I mean I think it's also like um I think because the other movie Poison Ivy they I made you watch as well, or I guess, I mean, you said you liked it anyway, but like, 
I think it's very interesting to like compare and contrast them basically like the way that Ivy's character is presented in the movie and then Catherine's character as well like I think there are certain similarities between I guess they're supposed to be these like neo-noir like femme fatales but like teen versions (laughs) yeah exactly I mean yeah they are definitely very similar I mean the bleached hair with like ivy and like tattoos and the you know it's just this image of just not like women in distress but you know it's like she, oh they've, they've like gone feral you know they're like um I don't know how, how really to describe it completely but I don't know just, there's this uh, one quote in Poison Ivy, the movie. I think it actually starts with that. Like, you know, when the movie opens and it's like her, like on that swing and she's like swinging back and forth and then like the narrator is like commenting on her and she's like, Sylvie, never, yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I've never seen anyone who looked more like a slut than she did. Like, <laughs> okay, girl, come from another girl. It's like, okay. But, um, no, but, I, but I find it really interesting no, to look at like, teen girl's sexuality in that way and especially Mm -hmm. because both movies kind of have this like semi-lesbian undertone to them which I think is a big part of like being a teen girl and like discovering your sexuality and like coming to terms with it yeah definitely 100% I mean like we all we all go through it I mean it's a very confusing time um but I I mean there's also probably just the element of the directors just probably wanted to uh a bit of girl and girl like you know like that that element of it too (laughs) do you know what I mean but no it it is still present in like yeah just like girlhood just trying to figure your shit out it's kind of like that scene from jennifer's body as well like you know like the famous makeout se- uh, makeout yeah. session which was like i mean obviously that was put in the movie for like marketing purposes etc cetera, etc cetera, but it does also i think comment a lot on like just general like female friendship dynamics and especially like in poison ivy i think the friendship very i mean at least to me and my experiences, it seemed very familiar. Like, you know, when you're just like a girl and mm. I don't know, you don't have any friends and then you find this one person that you're really attached to and they like become your everything. And then the relationship kind of blurs all these lines between like, oh, are we just friends? Are we more than friends? Like, is she my yeah. family? Especially like with Ivy moving in into their house as well. Like it really sort of... All the, like all the lines become blurred, like... I mean, she literally tries to to take the place of their mother. It's just, um, yeah, no, but I, I completely agree. Like, it is a very familiar feeling. And I mean, yeah, no, I mean, like, my best friend Izzy, like, that's almost exactly, like, quite, quite a similar story. Like, um, and yeah, we just, like, I don't know, you just, it's almost like having that one other to, like, experience it with, you know? It, it, I mean, there's also like the image of like the big girl group or whatever, but it's not as, it doesn't hit as hard, does it? You know, it's not as intense. Right. But I think even with like big girl friend groups, like it's still, like you'll still have those like special friendships within them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's always like the the two that are like, not not the main, but yeah, the ones that kind of brought everyone together or like, yeah, then you just kind of like different dynamics within that. Definitely. But I think it's also interesting because like Poison Ivy was kind of like, it was marketed as basic instinct for teens, basically. Or like that was like the original pitch for the movie. Yeah. Because it's like, well, you know, it's like, well, it it was created like the height of um, the erotic thriller era in Hollywood. So like late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. It was 92. Yeah. 
Like it was like during that period where like basic instinct came out, like fatal attraction, like all those like very like Mm. hyper sexual movies, like, and like, I don't know, like Madonna had just like made the erotica album. Like it was just like kind of in the air. And then this Mm -hmm. movie came out of nowhere and it was, um, I actually didn't know that until yesterday because I was doing some research on the film and like, Mm. turns out that it was like Drew Barrymore's first role after her career fell apart when she like went to rehab at 16. Yeah, because I was going to ask about that actually because like that, yeah, that that whole period is right when she was in it. I mean... um what's the what's the director's name I swear I read something and like she she kind of went she she was she was kind of drawn to 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 Drew because of that and and because she knew that the that the role was going to be do you know what I mean um yeah yeah she knew that Drew was going to be right for her because they wanted like an underage actress they wanted someone who would like Mm. look the part and not older but and she knew that basically only Drew could like fill that role because of her experiences. But apparently she like blew them off like five times before actually auditioning for it. Wow. And like, <laughs> but that movie like eight made her career. Like her career was in shambles before this. And then it was like, it did relatively badly at the box office, but then like, I think it won a bunch of awards and basically like it became a cult classic and Drew Barrymore even got like a poison ivy tattoo on her ankle to celebrate oh, the she? song. Oh, yeah. wow. So it's like really like integral to her. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> but I mean, I can see why. Damn. I didn't know that it got like like a bad, bad uh, like initial review. Uh, yeah. Like apparently, well, they like really messed up with the marketing because so it's been like a running theme on this podcast for like the past couple of episodes when we really talk about <laughs> movies because all these movies like you know did really badly in the, in the box office and then went on to like become called classics but basically like they really messed up with the marketing part like because first the movie was pitched to them as like basic instinct for teens and then they filmed the film and then they were like oh this is a movie that stars teenagers but it's really sexual and has like an r rating and we can't sell this to teenagers who are we going to sell this to and then they were like oh actually what about the dad and so they tried to re-edit the film to make the film about the dad but then they didn't have enough scenes to make it make sense (laughs) so like they had to re-edit it again make it about the girls again um they also like yeah like (laughs) yeah basically they they botched it a little bit like it's also really funny because originally in the original script um Drew Barrymore's character Ivy wasn't supposed to die so they had to bring her in later and she had I think she had dyed her hair red and chopped it off. So they had to like, re- like re-bleach her hair, redo the whole thing. And that's when, that's why the last scene like takes place in the rain. Cause that's the only way they could like make it look realistic with her like botched dye job. So like, um, and then, yeah, basically they made it about the girls again, but then they really like didn't know how to sell the film because they were afraid to like have this like erotic thriller for teenagers. So they... Like, and it was before, like, you know, um, before the craft, before like the angsty teen movie era, it was like Mm. the very, very beginning of the nineties. So they, yeah. And so they kind of messed it up. Then when it actually got to like the festival season, that's when the movie did really well. And it basically, it became a cult classic pretty much right away, but yeah, it totally flopped in the box office. Like the like initial like release was just, Yeah. Well, I mean, damn it. It sounds like they didn't really know what script they were putting out. Like, yeah, they they didn't know which version of the film. So, I mean, yeah, that that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, like, I can't believe they were going to do it from like the dad's perspective. 
or like or, or, or like you know like mainly what I, I, I'd love to see that version now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Maybe it's out there. Too. Probably. It's really but funny because... the right guy and we'll find it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Move to LA, just like hunt them down. Yes! I was, um, I was like, because I'd seen the movie a bunch of times, but I never saw the extended cut. And then like yesterday when I was rewatching it, I watched the extended cut. And it's really funny because some of the scenes in the extended cut were um, were never restored. So suddenly it will like cut to like all, like basically all the super sexual scenes. I'd never seen them before. They were not in the cut that I had watched before. And in this one, it was like, like full on like sex scenes. And then like the quality of it just like drops dramatically. It's like you're watching the movie and then the sex scene comes in and it's like the quality just goes down and it's like back to like normal scenes again. And it's like, they cut a bunch of stuff out, but apparently, oh, there's, um, since we're doing like poison ivy trivia there is another thing like because drew Barrymore was only 17 when they filmed the film she technically couldn't legally do any of the sex scenes so they supposedly got a body double for her to do it but then but then you know no one knows if she actually did it herself or not because apparently she was really insistent on like doing it herself yeah so, and i mean also how can you get a body double when it's like right up on 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 her like you can see her face and stuff i mean like are they i mean okay <laughs> that's odd i mean also the man is so old like the actor for the for the dad um um but that must have been so weird as as, as like actors because what he must be in his like 40s 50s with a 17 year old yeah well i mean that's not too um, uncommon <laughs> i mean no like obviously not but I love the Especially way Especially in Drew Hollywood. <laughs> I love the way that it, like Drew's the one saying, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. Let's just I mean it's like, damn. <laughs> I mean it's a very like lawnified version of teen sexuality, to be honest. I think mm-hmm. like I remember being a teen and I used to like watch these like edits that people would make like Lana songs and stuff and there were a bunch of this movie with like songs from ultraviolence and it's like it fits perfectly, you know, it's like it's like the the Laura Palmer, like yeah, poison ivy, like like you know good girls not even good girls just like girls gone bad girls gone bad girls gone rogue like just crazy um but yeah no (laughs) oh yeah because like doesn't it like kick off with the scene of her killing that dog as well that that was like okay set set the tone like (laughs) yeah that's okay i see where this character is going like it's insane no, but I find it really interesting that, like, because also, like, the movie does have this, like, a certain, like, Lolita undertone to it as well. 100%. Yeah. Especially, like, because, I mean, Drew looks incredible in that film, but she is, like, 17 with, like, really bright red lipstick, mm-hmm. like, kind of, like, wearing, like, old women outfits and stuff. Like, it's still very it's 80s bleach. as well. Yeah, with, like, because the curls and the ble- it was, like, okay, yeah. it's very 80s, actually, yeah. I mean, it's also like the big shoulder pads because it's like, because she's midway through the film, she starts wearing the mom's clothes, right? And so it's like yeah. the mom had been sick for like a decade. So she has all these like 80s like clothes in her older. closet. And- this is insane. No, I mean, like that whole thing with the mom, it is so like, it gets me every time. Like, I mean, like I, I watched it maybe like three times. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, like, Oh, I don't know. It's just so symbolic. I mean, like the red is just like the classic, like, you know what I mean? Like, ooh, promiscuous. And like, I don't know what I was saying on that. <laughs> no, no worries. I think also, 
But the, I think the interesting, like, it is an interesting dynamic in the film with the mom because, like, basically she moved in as a second child, right? Like, they semi-adopt her. But then instead of, like, sort of trying to maintain that role as a second child, right? And, I mean, the family obviously has money. They, they could take care of her. Like, they do charity on the Definitely. side, et cetera, et cetera. Like, the, the role that she aims for is the role of the mom and not the role of the daughter. So instead of, like, I think that's an interesting, because usually in friendships like that, like, if they, you know, if they, like, go that route, like, it's usually, like, one friend will, like, try to, like, become the other or, like, they'll start imitating each other. And so, like, there's a lot of competition going on in that way. But the mm-hmm. fact that it's, like, the mom who becomes targeted in this way is really interesting well I mean I feel like it's just like her ultimate goal is the dad isn't it because she's like it's just like the ultimate like status searching or like you know what I mean she, she's like, like searching for this power and she sees it in this dad you know what I mean so she's like right okay so how am I gonna you know she starts with like that uh scene where she like gets the him to like pass the boots and um he's got to pay for that you know what I mean she just like she just gets him in like in every level and so like to imitate his 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 wife who's like ill and he's obviously like dealing with like so much with that she's really playing on his like you know what I mean like his like emotional so she's just getting him from like every angle so I feel like that's what that's all about but I mean it's also like that thing of like um just like the way that it's so like so heavily focused on like women and and their youth you know what I mean like the age it's like Mm. because it is like she's just a younger version of the mum so it's just like she's just taking this like she's you know like passing the baton along (laughs) it's mad that's really interesting though yeah that's really it's an interesting take though because like and I mean I guess I never really realized before that I guess like Sylvie's character as well she's not really looking for a sister she's looking for a mom and so that's what she finds in Ivy ultimately like their relationship is never like oh like you're my friend you're my sister how it usually is in those types of friendships like you know like if you like I don't know look at a movie like 13 or whatever where it's like the dynamic very clear like it's very like oh yeah like we're you know we're friends we're sisters whatever like you're everything you're like my twin but it's never like oh you're my mom like you're like parenting me and here pretty much early on like it becomes like oh yeah like basically she's the mom and like on them on the child <laughs> yeah there's like a, like a like a dominance there which I mean can can be can be uh found in like female friendships but it's usually that doesn't really end well if there is so um yeah she just she becomes the mother that she doesn't have or like or she used to and like same with the dad you know what I mean it's like his, his wife that he's losing and she's still there but she's not you know and then Drew comes along or Ivy and like it's just like a fresh and healthy version of it it's, yeah it's uh it's pretty uh, intense. I mean, the dad is actually like an interesting figure because like he's not like a creepy old man. I mean, he is, but he's not like I'd not in that. <laughs> okay, um, no, but not 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 like in a sense that it's like 
he's not someone who's like preying on a teenager. It's quite like mm. reverse almost. Like she's definitely preying on him. Like she does know what she's doing. Well, he's kind of just like, like, you know, that scene in the elevator when he like is like talking about how they're going to like basically like fire him from his job and he's like losing everything, but he's not even upset about the job. He's like, I've loved her for so long. Like who am I without her? Yeah. Because his wife is dying and he's like, you know, he's like looking for the photos that he has of like them together when they were younger and stuff. And it's like, mm. he does kind of feel like he comes across as a really like sad, sad, like lost old man almost. Like it's not. Yeah. It's definitely not like predatory in that way. Yeah. That, that, that he's like looking for that. Like you can obviously tell like when she like in the first scene that they meet, when she tries to get a lift home with him or like with um Sylvie, you can tell that he's like obviously attracted to her, but that's not a thought at all. You know what I mean? That um, he's not thinking, but she can tell that it's like, oh, okay, you see what I got? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, so, and so she she preys on him or like his insecurities of like, yeah, like with, with his wife and, and just feeling like he doesn't know where he is at. And yeah, like... Like you said, he's just kind of a sad guy. <laughs> right. Which is kind of, I mean, I don't know. I think the teen sexual, like the version of teen sexuality that this movie presents is kind of, I mean, I find it kind of refreshing in a way because like we do tend to see like young women in like age gap relationships or like in relationships like that as like victims of the circumstances. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, like she was like, preyed upon like he's like a predator like he groomed her like the whole like grooming discourse not to say that it doesn't happen but I think a lot of it kind of like leaves out the fact that like there is always an exchange going on and in relationships like that what is being exchanged for be it money or status is usually youth and beauty which is also something that is definitely like like a selling point and like a certain like it has a certain power to it which this movie, I think, understands really well. I mean, like movies and like the early, like the erotic thriller era of Hollywood, I think understood that pretty well and like depicted in like various ways. But, and I mean, in Cruel Intentions too, like I think it understands, it's more because like all the characters and Cruel Intentions are basically like in the same like social class, whatever. So it's not like they're exchanging anything for money or status. It's more like they're exchanging it for, like, as you said, like the reputation, like it's all about like. Yeah, it's like a social power rather yeah. than like money or like, yeah. It's, again, it's just like that team need to just be like liked it's just it's so basic and like elementary when you think about it but um yeah no but like with I completely know what you're on about with like um going back to Poison Ivy like with that like dynamic of like she oh she was so she was so naive and like she didn't know what was going on and like yeah like actually like it's actually kind of like just it kind of takes away from like the women or like the young girls in, in, in that sense. Sometimes it's like, well, actually, maybe I do know what I'm doing. Maybe like, and like in with like Ivy, it, it, it literally is like, maybe I am, I'm the evil one. Well, not evil, but like maybe I'm the one that's going to fuck shit up or like do whatever I want regardless and just take whatever I want, you know, even if it means a whole family gets ripped apart and a mother dies. It's just so intense, just the... But, you know, she's just trying to survive. Like, she's yeah, she's got to do. 
Right. I mean, I think in Poison Ivy, like, especially, it does have, like, Ivy doesn't exactly come across as, like, an evil character either. She's not, like, you know, like a Catherine Trammell from, like, Cruel, uh, I was going to say Cruel Intentions from Basic Instinct or whatever. Like, it's not like a, oh, she's just, like, you know, a sociopath who will, like, stop at nothing. It's really, like, it is kind of, like, a very, mm, like, human story about, like... Survival. Yeah, ultimately. It really is, which is kind of like, I mean, because I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen like the other, um, not remakes, but like, cause they made like Poison Ivy 2 and Poison Ivy 3 and stuff. Those movies are bad. They're bad. (laughs) Yeah. They also like made a second, like Cruel Intentions movie and stuff. Like it's basically like the premise is that like, oh, there's this like wild girl who like will stop at nothing. And you know, like uh, she like, there's always like an older men involved as well. Like, oh, she'll just like, you know, like she's just she just wants to be wild like in the second poison ivy movie it's basically about this girl who like goes to study art at this college and then she finds ivy's diary like the ivy from the first movie and she's like oh, okay like i'm gonna you know i'm basically gonna copy her style and i'm gonna copy her like whole like vibe and oh, like it's just like, i think like put like 2.0 damn yeah, <laughs> she exactly. just like takes like yeah oh my god but oh, like I'm the really movie watch that <laughs> I mean you should watch that but um it, it is like a fun watch like, it's not a terrible movie in a sense that it's like unwatchable it's like a terrible movie in a sense that it's like it misses all the sort of the it completely misses the premise of the first movie mm. beyond like the oh this is like a sexy movie about like a teenager with an older guy <laughs> like it kind of like just completely like yeah misses anything other than that but I think it's like I don't know I think yeah, that's just like a version of, I don't know, of girl, like just female sexuality in general that's like not talked about. Because it's not like just teenagers. It's also just like younger women in general, like women in general, to be honest. I mean, that's the role we've got in this damn world. Like for real though, like, again, like I'm kind of going back to the age thing, but it's almost as if like our clock is ticking constantly, you know, like the thing of like um like the older guy that is so normalized and so normal like what 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 like 25 year old guy is going to be like oh no I'm old whereas like you know what I mean we're with women we're, we're we're valued so heavily on our appearances and that's so closely linked with age and you know yeah again just like the time's running out you, you know like it's not kind of like linked with like desperation but it kind of is you know it's kind of like and again, that that's kind of like what Ivy, even though her time isn't running out, she's I feel like she's just constantly got that like um just yeah, just like the need to survive and just gotta like um just do whatever you want. Like, but also you can't because like, oh, I don't know. It's so that's what makes it so interesting, I feel like, you know. But um, yeah, going back to it, like yeah women are just we're, we we are, it's so it's so constricting it's so like but yeah it really is that like, I mean like I'm 22 and I feel like sometimes I'm like shit like I'm, I wish I was like 17 again and it's like wait what wait and I just catch myself and I'm like what you're still like so young like I don't know yeah no I feel that too I feel that too definitely like I'm 
about to turn 22 like in a month and yeah. I do have this like I don't know deeper fear where it's like oh it's over for me like <laughs> I haven't made it yet I'm never gonna make it <laughs> and Maybe it's, it's like you've like you've like grown up with all these films of like these real young girls and, and like it's almost as if like at this age we've got to become women now we aren't allowed to be wild or um you know because we're baby makers you know like right. start thinking about that one like it's 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 in the teens that you can fuck up and you can you know take drugs and and explore your sexuality and just generally explore and you know what I mean but I don't know why we're like told to feel differently like as we get I mean like look at us do you know what I mean like what <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking of what you said before we got rudely cut off by the Zoom time limit. There, so rude. <laughs> I did. I don't know why it suddenly started doing that. Like before that, it was only on meetings of more than two people, and now it's like I guess all meetings. I don't know because they have like a team British. <laughs> but I guess they like want you to pay for it now, which is so rude. But um, oh, you should yeah, have done that like, in COVID. Bad timing now. Yeah, they kind of messed up, but whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, no, but I was just thinking of what you said, and like I think the sense of like urgency and the fact that women kind of always feel like we're running out of time, and especially now growing up, like, you know, like surrounded by all this media that tells us that we're running out of time. Like, I think there's a biological aspect to it where it's like, you feel like you're running out of time. Like just, you can kind of sense it yourself, like, you know, whatever, even like, just like the general baby fever that like everyone gets certain, like at a, at a certain point, it's like, it does remind you that you have like a, like a, clock ticking and also that you have like a mm. like a certain like I guess age limit but then also just like being surrounded by all this media that like reminds you of like what it's like to be a teenager and feel like you can do anything with like yeah, yeah with your time with like your wildest you know your wildest like dreams and desires and stuff and just like your sexuality I think that urgency is what defines teen sexuality in general like female teen sexuality um, yeah, no, that, that's that's a really good point. Um, and yeah, and and just that that's, but it, it like it's also more than just like our our like it's our value. That's all like all our value is is like our appearance, and that is so heavily linked to age. It's just like, damn, <laughs> like it. And then and then like you you see like from the mother in like Poison Ivy that she's obviously looking back at this. You know, like she would have had her her like teenage life and and you're just constantly like searching for that again but you you you're literally constantly getting further and further away from it and it's just like it's tragic I mean I guess in a sense in poison and poison I I can't speak to it for some reason I guess in a sense in poison ivy in poison ivy in general like the, the the fact that like it's very symbolic that the mother is literally like slowly like withering away like you know she's like literally slowly like, like breathing less day by day that's where sorry like but where she first meets ivy and like she's like obviously like judging her straight away and then like she finds out that she's got like a scholarship and like and then like when she's like <laughs> she's like trying to like get the i don't even know what it is what like an egg like uh, like a oxygen tank i don't know and yeah and she's like here 
let me do it. And it's just like, oh, okay. So like she, <laughs> that's her way of getting under the mother's skin was like, oh, I'm, I'm just here to help you. I'm just here to help you. And then no, nah, I'm trying yeah. to be you to take your place. But I don't think the mother was that naive either. I think she kind of, in a way, knew what she was doing as well, like giving her all that clothes and stuff. Like that was not. Mm, you didn't like, need it, to do that. Yeah. You got does, money. Yeah. Like it does seem, it does seem like a very like, you know, not exactly like it wasn't a motherly gesture per se it was kind of like oh you know because I think the thing with Sylvie and like just her general relationship with her parents is that she feels very she's very different from her parents and her parents don't really understand her and they well, don't really understand how they created her and she's yeah kind of like that she like she wants to be different though you know she's the ultimate pick me like she's just like the like all those lies that she makes at the, like at the beginning that just aren't true like she's literally just trying to you're a privileged girl and you don't want to be like you know what I mean and and so yeah there's obviously that conflict then with the mother because that I mean I'm not too sure what like the mother did when she was younger but yeah she just seems like a like that classic outcast you know um but yeah so like sorry no go on (laughs) I I was just Sorry. <laughs> but no. also just like the whole thing about her like lying about having like a like a black father and like she's like you can yeah. see by my hair it's just like a general like a normal hey, perm. You've got a perm <laughs> like just <laughs> No, honestly like I don't know. But it like it's kind of like um it's symbolic in the way that so yeah so she was like the outcast like the and then Ivy comes up and she was like the daughter that the, like the parents never had you know it's like it's almost just like a perfect fit straight away and like there's all of those scenes before obviously the mother catches Ivy and the dad together you know it's literally like as if she just moves in and like takes Sylvie's place or like the place what the role that they want Sylvie to take that Sylvie doesn't want to take Ivy's like I'll take it yeah I'll be that daughter and and yeah just really uh gets in there from that angle (laughs) but I find it really interesting that both movies like both Cruel Intentions and Poison Ivy kind of have this like mentor dynamic in them because you know like the whole thing with like um in Cruel Intentions as well is that like they're like mentoring um yeah. I forget her name. What was her name? Uh, Catherine? No, 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 not Wait. the main character. The the, oh. um, the girl. I was gonna say, because I thought you meant like there was like a mental thing between um like Catherine and Sebastian. Which I was gonna ask, I mean, well, who's the mentor? <laughs> I guess they kind of mentor each other, but no, I see what you mean now with them. Yeah, wait, what is her name? Sissy. Oh my god, I literally cannot speak today for some reason. I don't know why. Barely here, but I'm happy to be here. But no, I'm saying. But yeah, the girl, the girl that they, the girl that they mentor, or like, well, they're not Bible basher. Yeah, she, she thinks they're mentoring her, but they're not mentoring her. Um, cruel intentions, you could say. Yeah, <laughs> literally, literally. I mean, that movie is so corny in some parts. Like, I was re-watching it with my boyfriend yesterday. He'd never seen him before. And we were, like, watching it. And he was, like, hating on it the whole time. And he was like, this is, like, a Disney original. I'm like, how is this a Disney original? It, He's, <laughs> no, it's a. I think it's a great film. I think it's a masterpiece. But he was like, this is, like, a Disney original. It's, like, filmed like a Disney original, but horny. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> 
Disney original, but horny. I mean, yeah. I but that's yeah, that's a male perspective. I get that. <laughs> um I mean the movie I think the movie is like they're like the lines are very like it's very scripted. They're overacting for 99% of the time. Like, you know, like the yes. Sebastian scenes are completely most of them are completely overacted. Like the the only times he doesn't overact is when he's with um what is her name with um, what is it the blonde one the blonde blonde one when he's with the blonde one and he is like well because what literally cannot remember anyone's name today um (laughs) what is it i mean i guess she's what's her name in real life I can't uh, remember that either for some reason. <laughs> oh, Witherspoon, Reese Witherspoon. Right. Um, so when he's with Reese Witherspoon, like, because they used to date, like, they, they were dating. Annette. Annette. Thank you. Um, like, <laughs> literally brain dead. Um, no, but when, like, in those scenes, he seems very, like, his acting is great, you know, he's very... Sorry, my boyfriend's leaving. Um, his acting is like very genuine and stuff. But for most of the movie, he's overacting. But the, like something about the soundtrack, the like the overly like theatrical lines, just makes the movie seem like so self-aware that it doesn't come across as a bad movie or like a parody. It comes across as just like a very self-aware piece of like postmodern fiction. You know, like, I know what you mean actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like, maybe it's not that he's, like, overacting. It's that they're trying to get, you know, like, he's his true self within that. You know what I mean? Like, he has to put this mask on to everyone else. And, like, you know what I mean? That they maybe even did that on purpose. Maybe, I mean, they definitely, like, the whole movie, like, as I said, it's so self-aware. I don't think anything in the movie was not done on purpose. Like, I do think mm. that the, well, the the crew, like, the director, the script, I think it was the same guy who wrote it and then directed it. Like, I'm pretty sure he knew what he was doing, especially, like, I think the movie really kind of became the cult classic that it is because of the soundtrack. Like, the soundtrack is so incredible. It kind of really wrote the book on how to use, like, pop songs and, like, oh you know, God. like, like just, like, yeah. popular music in films in a way that, like, makes it work. Like, it's very dramatic, but, like, in a really good way. Like, I mean, the ending scene, like, Bittersweet Symphony and, like, yes. when the diary is, like, distributed and it's, like, mm-hmm. genuine, like, a, a masterpiece. Like, I wouldn't change a thing about No, this. truly. Honestly, that, that was, that scene is, I mean, there's no other word but iconic. Like, it just is. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't remember what scene it was as well, but I noticed that they had, um, blur coffee and tv as well i was like oh my god yes i get that british culture in there as well <laughs> like they definitely um nah they they do know what they're doing wait so like do you have like insight on that that like they have admitted that they knew or, or do you just have a hunch i just have a hunch like i just i think they were yeah very self-aware about like what it is because I mean obviously like coincidences like that happen but it just in general like during that era because one of the, the other movies that I thought we could also talk about was uh Wild Things and I know you didn't have the time to watch it but basically the movie came out I think in 98 so like a year before Cruel Intentions and mm. the movie was kind of um I mean, it's also like an erotic thriller, but it's kind of a parody of an erotic thriller. I mean, that movie has literally 
36 twists like you know I'm not even kidding like you think the plot is gonna go one way and then it changes 36 times like I like I counted it (laughs) and like it's I think it was just you know like the time period of One Curl Intentions came out the sort of the cultural sentiment of the time the the crew the soundtrack kind of I think yeah just kind of I don't know makes me think that it was a very self-aware also like casting um Sarah Michelle Gellar as Catherine I think was also like a very Mm. self-aware decision because like obviously before that her only big role and I mean her big role besides this to this day I think was um Buffy the Vampire Slayer so Mm. like she was kind of known as this like you know like blonde like innocent like mm-hmm. hero type not innocent I guess Buffy wasn't innocent but like this hero heroic like you know like um superhero basically like do good yeah like yeah and then there's this one where it's just kind of flipping it yeah exactly so I think I mean it was definitely self-aware in her part and also just like I think the fact that the movie still has such a big place and just you know the sort of the cultural canon in general and people still like reference it all the time like the cross is iconic the you know the the kissing scene in the park is iconic the ending scene like there's so many things about this movie it's like it was kind of like it was exactly of its time but that is exactly what makes it sort of timeless wow yeah no you're right damn girl (laughs) (laughs) i i yeah (laughs) Did you prepare that one down? No, I did not. I did not actually. It's really funny. I literally am, I woke up completely brain dead today and I was like, how am I going to do this episode? I did not have a single thought until now. I've been up since half five, I feel you. Um, yeah, I mean, because what is that? Like 99 as well. So it's like right at the end of the 90s. So they're kind of like just, they would have kind of been moving into like the, like the noughties kind of stuff anyway. But um. Yeah, no, I I mean, I have nothing else to say. You just, you just <laughs> the whole thing there. <laughs> I'll just shut up. <laughs> no, please don't. I don't, I don't have anything else. I don't have anything else smart prepared. So we're, we're in this together. No, but I, I do think that like, um, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I think the, I mean, I'm in general, like I always talk about those, but like I'm a huge fan of the erotic thriller genre in general. Like I think out of all like the movie genres, it's definitely my favorite. Like I think I've seen 99% of erotic thrillers out there. Like even the really bad oh ones, I've seen them all. <laughs> I think there's just something about like, I don't know what it is about that genre exactly that like fascinates me and like attracts me so much. I think it's just, I think it's, I kind of, like I kind of said that before, but it's like just, the the version of female sexuality that it embraces and like represents is just very like I don't know it it has home for me basically like I just I think that's the way that I've always sort of approached my own sexuality and just like mm, like something you can like identify with right you know right yeah, like the female male dynamic in general. Like, I think I've always kind of, I don't know, I've always been very uncomfortable with the idea that women don't have any power in relationships. Like, you know, mm-hmm. sort of like the 2010s, like feminist style, like basically it's like, yeah, like sex positivity, but also like you're always going to be the victim of like no matter what, like, you know, unless you like express explicit content, like consent, yeah. you're basically being raped. Like that whole narrative never appealed to me 
and mm-hmm. I've always been, but I've also always felt very sort of negative about like the anti-sex, anti-porn, anti-erotic sentiment as well. I mean, mm-hmm. porn is different, I guess, especially now, like, like, you know, like vintage porn is very different from like the porn we have now, like the stereo, like yeah. porn hub, like amateur, like rape stuff, like, you know, like the whole, like that, that's a very different thing. It's very mm-hmm. divorced of any sort of sensuality, but I think just, you know, if we're talking about stuff like Playboy or like erotic fiction, like Anisine and stuff like that's the kind of thing I've always been sort of drawn to. So I think for me, any scent like any sort of cultural movement or any sort of artistic movement that doesn't align with like an eroticized version of sexuality does not appeal to me so I think that's why I've always been so drawn to like Gallic like erotic thrillers like movies like Poison Ivy or like even Cruel like Cruel Intentions made such an impact on me when I was like because I watched it for the first time when I was like I watched it with my mom. Oh, wow. <laughs> she showed it to me. And um, I, I think she, like, regretted showing it. She, like, forgot what the movie was about. And then we, like, watched mm. it together. And she was like, oh. <laughs> um, but it, like, made a huge impression on me. Like, it totally, like, shaped my taste in music. Um, I mean, of course. Iconic soundtrack. Taste. <laughs> yeah. Iconic soundtrack. <laughs> And so I think for me, yeah, I've just always kind of been, I don't know, shaped by things like that. What about you? What's your... Well, I'm not, I mean, I was just going to say, like, you're going to be interested in those kind of things, though, because that's, like you're saying, that, you, you know, you don't identify or, or you've never liked that that thing of, like, women don't equal power. Like, it's within this, they do have the power. I mean, like, Poison Ivy, like, Ivy has all of the power like literally um and yeah and they if if they've got to get that through their sexuality then you know what I mean that's just how it goes but um yeah wait sorry I I cut you off when when you were asking the question oh no worries I was just gonna ask like what is your um like what kind of like how have you I don't know looked at or um sort of analyzed your own sexuality growing up or like what kind of version of it have you aspired to or um I don't know desire to project (laughs) obviously so like growing up I mean have you seen the British skins yeah 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 um so like definitely was um obsessed with that when that first came out that was like when was that like 2000, 2008 or something like that so like yeah I was I was still very impressionable and um yeah I definitely kind of glamorized that whole kind of um I mean all of my relationships uh, relationships have been uh, uh, I mean toxic in the way that it's like wow like you go for like the druggy guy you know what I mean like oh my god he's so cool like oh my god wow like he's really gonna like protect me (laughs) but um no they just don't and like you kind of just end up getting yourself hurt and yeah yeah with drugs involved people get selfish and you get forgotten and you know what I mean so like um I I definitely have a relationship with my or like identity with my sexuality like um yeah I I, I don't know I just I kind of went on a bit wild you know what I mean um and now I'm like 22 I've been single for like a good like two years now 
Um, and I just, I don't know. I just, the thought of, um, going into anything now, I, I guess I've scared myself away through, through like whatever the fuck I've done in my youth. But, um, yeah, uh, very, um, I mean, yeah, like, like if you've seen skins, like I, I just tried to emulate that <laughs> basically, but regretted it obviously, but also not, you know what I mean? Also not definitely. Cause it's just like, you don't, God knows who I'd be. I'd probably be some little, little bitch. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> No, it's kind of a running theme on the show, I guess, like, because my teen experiences were also like super extreme, I guess. Like, I don't, I don't know what exactly. I I mean, I guess like skins made an impression on me, like a bunch of other things made an impression on me. And like, I, like my family moved around a lot when I was a kid and stuff, like a teenager growing up and it was all, and I went to these like small international schools and then it was all those friend groups, like were super incestuous because it's like, you know, like a bunch of teenagers that packed together, like, I mean, incestuous in the sense yeah. that we'd all be friends, but we'd also all be like dating each other, and it was a mess like, always. Yeah, and now like yeah, no code doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no code existed. Period. Just like zero, <laughs> zero immoral. Just jumping in blind, like <laughs> yeah, it was pretty pretty much that, and like, um, yeah, no, it was it was like very crazy, and like I did a bunch of stupid things, and like I continued to do really stupid things until like. Basically until COVID, like COVID really kind of saved my life in a I lot know. of ways. Oh my god, honestly, same. Like not going too deep into it, but yeah, fully. Like COVID was like a blessing. I know it wasn't for everyone, but thank you. Yeah, no, same. Like it totally messed up my life. Like you know, like a hundred percent. Like I would not be here today if it wasn't for COVID. Like both in a good and a bad sense. Like I think, but I was just like. Cause I like right before COVID I had first like moved to London for uni and I was not like hanging out with the right people and not doing the right things. Mm. And then, um, it was all kind of like going off the rails, like slowly, but very <laughs> decidedly. Okay. So, and then COVID started and then suddenly it's like, Oh, like I'm by myself and like, I, you know, I can't go anywhere. And then it's like, yeah it really kind of saved my life in a lot of ways like and you don't have those bad influence like you know because we were all isolated so we only had ourselves all of a sudden we we weren't being able to surround ourselves with these bad uh, bad is very you know word but uh, you know generally just just not it's not positive is it <laughs> it's not a yeah. positive influence <laughs> it's not but then also like I guess that's the running theme of the show it's like you're gonna fuck up anyway so you might as well fuck up while you're young because if you're young you can still you know rectify the situation you can have your wild teens and you can still like you know enter your 20s a relatively normal person like you can you know you can you can fuck up a lot when you're 17 and then still be super successful and happy and you know whatever married at 30 like you have that time and you're gonna do it any like it's not like you can outrun your wild phase like it's gonna get to you anyway Mm. it's just I think it's way better to have it when you're young and like get it out of the way because who loves it like you know there's no films about the 28 year old going wild like you know what I mean like it's just not not the same (laughs) Netflix makes them and they're very embarrassing (laughs) 
you know all those movies about like like PR girls from New York who like go on a wild trip to like Ibiza or something who fucking wants to watch that I guess 40 year olds I guess it's kind of like just for the next generation of <laughs> people who like didn't have their wild face but no it's it's completely embarrassing yeah like, you, I mean sorry no but it actually might be that like for people like live to like through there like vicariously um if they actually did miss out like if they were the good girl and they did stay home waiting for Mr. Right and ended up in the same boat as everyone else who went through their wild phase do you know what I mean it's just like yeah right no it's so true it's also like I was thinking about this like when I was watching Poison this is not 100% related to what we just talked about but I was just I had this insight while I was watching Poison Ivy like a few days ago like um you know how like the like, whole like gold digger like oh she's like you know she's only after like his money like a young girl who like dates older men like this whole thing I was thinking mm-hmm. about that and it's like not to say that some women aren't only after money which 100% like there are but like also it's like you know when you're when you're a girl or a young woman, like woman in general like you still kind of like a lot of these like housekeeping like whatever responsibilities they fall on you anyway so you might as well you know you might as well fucking do that in a nice apartment in like <laughs> like like a nice place because you're gonna have to do that like you have gonna you're gonna have to perform that role anyway so you might as well do it in a nice context because like if you chase you know not to say that people shouldn't chase feelings and love like I still 100% believe in love and I think feelings are very important I don't buy the whole like oh people should only date other people based on like they're good or bad qualities like I do believe in like falling madly in love and like pursuing that but also like like I'm very I don't know I think we're all still yeah like we're all still like stuck in the same boat it's just like you you choose when you choose when you go for your faces basically and we all need money like I can look for love but I can also look for money like you know what I mean why not both at the same time or like (laughs) I mean like right Omegle growing up (laughs) that was but like I literally loved that shit like but it wasn't even for the money part of it sorry sorry I'm I'm literally just going off on one right now no no don't explain my thought but like yeah like when I was like 15 I used to love going on like Omegle and like obviously it's just loads of like old creepy men and like I don't know why like it wasn't anything to do with the money because like I would get them to send me like 20 30 quid on like um paypal or whatever <laughs> so stupid. but like it was just because i wanted to be like seen it was just like oh like i want you to like look at me and to like you know what i mean because like i was quite insecure at that point but obviously like having like an older guy who i know like regardless of anything it's going to be like wow youth like you like i almost like knew i had that and i was like right i need to use this while i've got it kind of thing and yeah no that that was definitely a massive part of my um teenage experience was just that um yeah omegle <laughs> i was banned from there for a long ass time as well oh no that's really interesting though that even like that you kind of had that self-awareness about like oh this is what I have to offer like I had this is I this is not related to anything but I had um I had a bunch of creepy t-shirts in high school um like they weren't they weren't exactly trying to make a pass at me but there was always like this sort of undertone to our interactions and I just remember thinking that like oh like there's something so 
I mean, I just have like a thing against teachers in general, which is maybe like a controversial thing to say, but I think a lot of people who like go into that profession, they are trying to kind of relive their, you know, um, young experiences like vicariously. And I think for a lot of like these like creepy old men who would like hit on me when they were in no position to do so whatsoever. Like, I think Mm. it was kind of like the youth and yeah, like the youth thing mostly where it's like, oh, you know, like you have like, especially as a girl, like I think older men think that young women have all this power because they have youth and beauty, two things that they have never had and will never have. Mm. which is and I think it's but it's only true if I'm trying I'm finding really I'm, I don't know I can't talk today so I'm like finding really <laughs> hard to like articulate what exactly does that I mean but I think it's kind of like I think through sort of the girl bossification of like the last 10 years where women have been sort of forced to um, not exactly denounce their sexuality and beauty but sort of put it like on you know a back burner almost yeah yeah I know what you mean where it's kind of like oh yeah like you might be beautiful but like are you you know are you a hustler like are you like is that all you have have? do you read books do you you have like do you have a PhD like you know like are you using your youth beauty to uh like you know build an influencer empire or are you just Mm -hmm. doing it to like date older like you know like that kind of thing like that sentiment I think was very prevalent for quite a while and I think to the point where it's like when like when I was a teenager I did have like a sort of like um like in the back of my mind I had that that awareness where it was like oh you know I have something very special right now which I will never have again but I never quite fully used it or felt comfortable with it or felt like I was in control of it because Mm -hmm. in my head I was always like oh but like but that's not sustainable long-term. So instead of like using this to my advantage right now, I should kind of ignore it. And I should rather, you know, like whatever, focus on my things. Make more like, of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make like, more of myself, et cetera, Because my beauty won't last forever kind of thing. Yeah. Is that what you, like, yeah. Yeah, like that exact sentiment. So it's like, now I feel like a lot of the power that does come with youth and beauty for women, we've been kind of forced to denounce it almost or feel guilty mm. of having an awareness of it while as, mm. while as men like they still you know intuitively perceive young beautiful women as having this power over them so I think the dynamic is sort of really strange now because it's like on one hand like so one like one group is very aware of their role while as the other is sort of trying really hard to denounce that their role in this equation so mm-hmm. I think instead of it actually being a power now like I do think that we've come to sort of yeah, I feel uncomfortable about it where it's like, but then women do use it and like sort of like very, um, not exactly like parasocial wise, but you know, like the whole like OnlyFans boom and stuff, like young women basically selling their sexuality in a very like literal sense. I where literally it's like, was just about to say like, it's, this is literally just, we're explaining capitalism. Like we're literally talking about like how we um, we we've now been made to feel guilty if we use our looks to make ourselves money you know what i mean it's like no 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 like you should only be like the object that we're looking at and the and the object of my desires like the like the untouchable well no now i i'm going to make an only fans and you can touch it or, or you can like but you got to pay you know what i mean it, it's just like i don't know i feel like <sighs> 
yeah, they're kind of t- like taking it away from us. Well, no, they're not, but they're trying to. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a way to kind of like take away from us or to, again, like with the age thing, it's just like to diminish us and to make us feel like we can't do these things that we want to do, you know, like not that that's profound, but it's, it just is, it just kind of does come back. It's true. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like the monetization of all aspects of like femininity and sexuality has basically like, like, I think I like I would never I don't I wouldn't exactly judge anyone for like doing sex work or whatever like you know we, we all do what we got to do basically but like I think with that, it's kind of what I'm trying to say is that a lot of these things where it's like it really gets rid of the narrative as a concept because now we kind of you know like instead of what I'm trying to say is that instead of you know using youth and beauty to everything now basically every single experience that we're allowed to have now or allowed to have without feeling guilty about it has to be something that brings us financial gain right so it's like, like profit yeah fully yeah, like profit or you know advances us in society in that kind of way whereas it's in like, like the hustle know, again yeah yeah it's like exactly it's like the hustle again so you're not allowed to just be beautiful and like enjoy it and then you know just relax know. and yeah. just eat some fruit and just be the be the like oh but then again like that's just like the whole you, you bring in like the male gaze again though and it's just like it comes back like full circle now okay now we're just objects again you know what I mean it's like no matter what we do it's like I mean I'm okay this is I'm kind of a defender of the male gaze to be honest okay. <laughs> like no I talk real. I talk about this a lot but I don't think that the male gaze is necessarily like the male gaze is ultimately like adoration right like when we talk about the male gaze in a lot of ways I think we talk about the way that not always obviously but especially when we like in the context of cinema and stuff where it's like or photography it's almost always like women are presented in a flattering light right like they are are objectified within the lens right but then Mm um I did this episode quite recently with um this photographer um stolen bezos on instagram maya she's very talented she's She's incredible but she talked a a little about how like the thing with like objectification in general is that when you point a camera at someone and so someone is like within within the frame of your camera they by definition become an object so there is no way to basically photograph someone without objectifying them. And so the male gaze, while it does objectify it, it ultimately also just represents a kind of a lustful and um, like loving perception of women, mm. right? So you've converted like, when, me. Like I agree with you now. <laughs> like for me, <laughs> hey. like no, but like because also like women are just like sorry, but just generally like well, I mean, I feel everyone agrees women are just more attractive than men generally do you know what I mean so yeah 100% like, of course we are going to be like objectified more because you know and like that's why like I mean like in, like 18 like just uh art history and stuff like women are always like the objects like you know you don't have like a mat I mean you do but it's not it's not as like intrinsic to like it's just like because we're just more, we are more attractive. Like, <laughs> it's just yeah. it's like the curves and like, you know what I mean? So like, I do understand that 
I guess the male gaze isn't such a such a negative thing to look at. Well, I mean, it definitely can be really toxic and but like when it's unwanted. But no, I actually do get what you're saying. So thank you. <laughs> so That's I think right. for, like, wow. I think, like, yeah, this is a this has basically been like conversion therapy. <laughs> like I've just <laughs> I just invite people in this podcast to talk about the male gaze. No, but I, I think, yeah, no, I think like I've always kind of, yeah, I don't, I don't think the male gaze is anything bad. And I don't think just sort of, I think it's natural. I don't, I think it's natural ultimately. Yeah. It's a very natural thing. And I think like, I think we have this thing now where we're almost out of time, but I can uh, like make it work. But um, I think we have this thing now where it's like anything natural that doesn't seem a hundred percent equal or a hundred percent, you know, mm, like fair, good like, or yeah. fair. Yeah. Like it's judged or perceived as being negative and perhaps mm. it is, but just because it's negative doesn't mean like, just because it's negative doesn't mean it can't exist or doesn't have a place to exist or mm. is, isn't natural. Like a lot of natural things are horrible, you know, like, I don't know, like people like animals die in the wild all the time yeah like it's a good no, note but like 100 and like natural. men and women do have different things to give too so like you know like gender roles will never go away like those won't ever be completely equal because it's like well you know physically men are stronger and like physically women are like we were saying like more attracted like they, they, there are pros and cons to things i mean it's just the way that we like utilize them and you know they should be like a loose you know so that people can still do whatever the fuck they want but yeah but it's yeah. not like you're saying like that complete fairness like the complete equality I I, I don't want to live in that world <laughs> I honestly don't remember what we were talking about before being again rudely cut off by the Zoom time um, time thing option. Oh, the, the male gaze. Oh yeah, the male gaze. You know, <laughs> those homosexual men. Yeah. No, um, I mean, yeah, I didn't you kind of converted me <laughs> into? I'm oh like, yeah. Not that I thought it was like the worst thing in the world, but I hadn't thought of it in terms of like, well, no, actually, like we do deserve we do deserve special praise because we're just so hot <laughs> no we do we really do like that's one of my like main I don't know this is like one of my main points in life in general is that like you know it's like when someone you know how people are often like especially with like great directors like they often get accused of like being you know misogynist and whatever but it's like how can someone really be a misogynist if they can present a woman in like this really beautiful light and like you know like Mm. it takes a lot of like especially with like filmmaking or like any craft like that really photography too where it's like a lot of you know like you can take a picture of someone really beautiful and it's not just about them being like photogenic or whatever like a lot of work goes into making it a good photo or making you know the other person look and feel beautiful within the frame so Mm. I think anyone who's capable of making a woman or just in general like another human being kind of feel really beautiful and look beautiful and within the frame like I think that's I kind of I think that kind of says it all yeah no fully and like because you've got to have I mean you still have to have somewhat a bit of talent 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Like anyone can have a camera and a pretty girl, but like you said, like to, to really like create that scene and like the whole like wow, like almost like untouch, like untouchable, like way I didn't say that right, but you know what I mean? Like just like unt- yeah, like um it's 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 a weird one. It's like it's like different how like um yeah, I mean like <laughs> we have like one one way that we're allowed to be beautiful do you know what I mean whereas like I feel like that's where I guess I don't agree so much with like the male gaze or whatever it's just like it doesn't take much for for men to be like damn you know what I mean whereas like men just do whatever the fuck they want and like obviously like that's where the male gaze gets not so good as when it's just unwanted and you're just trying to do your life and you're having the worst fucking day and you're on the bus stop and then some creepy guys just like yeah baby and it's just like no I'm done do not perceive me I know I'm pretty but like I've uh, I've got problems too damn you know like (laughs) no I think that's yeah no but I think that's more about just like the day-to-day like sort of I don't know the day-to-day hardships of being a girl but I think yeah. when it comes to like I don't know art and cinema and stuff like I think also like the thing with the male gaze as well is that I think a lot of women are really good at doing it as well like Poison Ivy was directed by a woman like mm, yeah. you know and the way I mean that really makes sense now <laughs> like I think also just like I think yeah I, I don't know I mean I guess I mean, that's the thing with, like, Sofia Coppola movies as well. It's just, like, it's not, like, a female gaze doesn't have to. Or I guess the way that we perceive the female gaze, like, when someone's, like, you know, like, a photographer does, like, a female gaze series, it's usually, like, oh, let's, you know, let's show the ugly, the ugliness of being a girl. You know, like, the whole, like, you know, like, I don't know, like, period, blood, art, trans (laughs) thing. Like, like, all of that, like, that's kind of where people, yeah, like, that's when that's what people like tend to focus on when it comes to like the ugly aspects of womanhood. But like, but I don't really, I think fundamentally I kind of disagree with the sentiment that in order for something to be true, it has to be ugly. I don't think that's true. Yeah. Because that, that, that also only then allows, you know, that only that then gives men to take this like take take the like the pretty part of us and then it's it's almost as if then we're left with just the rest you know what I mean like the un like the unseen like the unfiltered kind of like and it's just like well no because we are all of that like it's uh, I don't know it's 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 a difficult one we could literally talk about this all day but um yeah I feel like that just kind of like it doesn't it's almost as if we aren't in full ownership of ourselves then do you know what I mean right yeah because then but then it also is kind of very inhumane in the sense that like then you're just separating like the the female experience into like very sort of category like into very distinct categories of oh this is beautiful and this is this is what men think of us and this is ugly and this is what we know to be true and then it's like like, compartmentalize it and yeah exactly and I think that's I think there's I, I don't I don't know I think there's truth in beauty and simplicity you know like I don't or it's just it doesn't in order for something to be true it doesn't have to be ugly and gross like I think that's kind of what I'm 
starting to understand or come to terms with as I get older as when, you know, like when you're a teenager and I guess that kind of like also has a lot to do with just like being a teenager and like, you know, like teen sexuality and like horniness and stuff where it's like, you know, like, I don't know when I was younger, I was really drawn to like sort of like the grunge, you know, like skins, like, like the the grime of it basically like the dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah like the the dirty stuff and I was like oh this is you know this is real life this like the the greediness of like I don't know like I don't know 70s like like movies set in like 70s New York or whatever like just like the ugliness and grime of it all but then it's like I don't know as I get older I start to kind of just realize the pretentiousness and pointlessness of making your life deliberately uglier, especially when you were, you know, blessed enough, like not to be born into it, if that makes sense. hundred percent. Yeah. And like, it's interesting there that you said like about like the, uh, almost like the, like just kind of like seeing, oh wait, it's kind of also kind of just meaningless, you know, like that, that gives more power than to like, you know, yeah, that, you know, like when you see like a beautiful scene and it's like, oh wow, I can really appreciate that. But it's also like, yeah, but it's also like beautifulness and like just the, the nitty gritty or just like, like the random, like, yeah, just like meaning, like has no meaning, but it's still like, yeah just like depending on how you look at it or like who you experience it with, you know what I mean? It's like just completely different and you'd never be able to explain that. It's just, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's also just like, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever seen, there was like a viral post that went around, like, I don't know, I guess it was like a couple of months back. It was like a screenshot from that Netflix show, um, Queen's Gambit or whatever it's called. Like the one with Anna. Yeah. Yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy. And it was like a screenshot from a scene where she's like having a breakdown, but she like looks beautiful. She's like, has her makeup done? Her hair is like, 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 she looks glamour alcohol bottles or it's like no that's she what is is that supposed to be a woman in distress are you kidding she's having a great time yeah but she's having a great time but then it's also like yeah the criticism that received was basically like oh like you know like this is not what I look like when like I'm having a breakdown but then it's like well yeah but like it's fiction like why would you want fiction to mirror your life like I I mean it's like if I really wanted to see someone in distress like I I don't know like watch a documentary like why would you watch a Netflix show and be like oh I want I want to see the you know I want to see the griminess of woman like why would I ever you don't it's like it's like the romanticized version but it's for a reason like I mean who wants to like yeah like we all (laughs) we all have down days like you watch films and you all like media or like art, any kind of form of that to get away from it. You know what I mean? Or to like, again, kind of like identify with like a different kind of, or just like, yeah, just like new things. Like, do you really want to just look at someone having a genuine meltdown? Do you really want to see her like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Like rolling a cigarette, like, and just like uh, screaming and like throwing and just, yeah, no, like it's just not the same. Still watching the film. Of course. Yeah. Like that's and I guess that's why, like, I don't know, like to bring it back to like cruel intentions and poison ivy and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I think that's why cruel intentions, like in all of its sort of theatrical, like pretentiousness makes so much sense as a movie. And that's why it's 
been so successful and like why it has such like a cult classic status is because like there's nothing particularly real or that makes sense about that movie you know it's the Mm. same reason why something like gossip girl is still so popular which kind of like deals with a very similar sort of social scene like a similar milieu in general but it's like that's exactly the reason why because like we want to see I guess some version of a real life dynamics and real life problems, but we want them to be set in a world far removed from ours because that's the beauty of like media and that's the beauty of like film and art mm. is that we don't have to like look at like the actual boredom of our own lives, you know? Like, <laughs> it, yeah, it's like trying to find the, uh, like trying to find the, the line between. <sighs> like um still I, I like identifying with it but also not still being entertained by it you know what I mean right you can't go too far that way or too far the other that you, you you've got to find somewhere in, in the middle and I think that's why like you said like cruel intentions is so uh, like yeah like it became a cult like it's because it, it does exactly that in like a really good way like it's still like familiar scenes and familiar but then when you like if you at like you know like the amount of times as I was watching it and like obviously for the first time it was just like I, I kind of had to snap myself I'm like what are they actually doing right now like you know what I mean like the like, um the music scene with, um what's the girl that she like mentors but yeah like do you know what I mean like it, it just <laughs> yeah. goes and I'm just like what what actually is going on but you like if you don't like pluck yourself or like check yourself and go like wait what is actually happening right now it is it is just entertaining and like but you can still kind of identify and be like damn she really did that or like you know what I mean it's I don't know it is uh it's interesting for sure no definitely and I mean teenagers like not to that extent, I guess, but then they do similar things to each other all the time. Like, you know, when, I don't know, when I think of like, even like the stuff that would like go down in my middle school, I was like, not (laughs) on that level, but like, you know, bad enough, especially at that age. Like, like the, the things like teens will do to each other just for no reason other than like, cruelty and boredom yeah Mm. just pure spite (laughs) like no other reason literally just like pure like evil aspiration or like if if, like some girl that done nothing to you like the guy that you like likes her and all of a sudden she is the bane of your life and like you know like yeah that that is a very common feeling when when you're that age again it's something we were talking about earlier it's just everything is so intense in that time in your life like it, it really does feel like all or nothing constantly and yeah it just it, it, it really hits that so well right so I think yeah I don't know I think I mean I'll defend like cruel intentions and just like erotic teen movies to the day <laughs> I die like I don't think you know like I don't I just also with cruel intentions like I remember like a couple of whatever years back when it like turned whatever like 25 years old or something mm-hmm. that's what I was like 2020 because <laughs> yeah, it yeah. came out in 1999 and Sarah Michelle Geller was like posting about it and she was like yeah like happy 20th birthday to like cruel intentions the movie that's like each super wall and people in the comments were like well actually it didn't each wall like it has this like rape yeah, well. plot and whatever <laughs> and it's like well like well first of all who cares but also like like I, <laughs> yeah exactly like just whatever and like, I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, no go on no I was just gonna say like who cares if it's inappropriate like 
Exactly. It's like, you still watch Lolita. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm so grateful for you, like, opening these um, doors of film to me, like, <laughs> blessing me with this absolutely pivotal American culture. <laughs> no, it's like... <laughs> very grateful that you've um yeah I mean like honestly I Poison Ivy in particular that is such such a good film very grateful that you've uh brought this to my attention (laughs) of course no but yeah I think yeah any any final thoughts any final takes (sighs) I mean suicide was so prevalent it's like like Poison Ivy is literally just suicide every other word (laughs) but other than that I mean, like that's oh yeah true jump into do you know what I mean like <laughs> that's so how true Sylvie's like yeah see like my scratches I try to it's just like she thinks it's like a badge of like yep I'm so cool and then like the mother and like at the end like every death or like potential death is like a is going to be covered up by a oh it was just suicide or like you know what I mean it's just like it's just so intense again like you're so right I didn't I didn't think about it at all you're so right yeah that's true but but then like the Sylvie like the scene in the beginning where she's like oh I try to kill myself like I try try to like you know whatever I I've had like not exactly that but like do you remember being like in middle school or maybe it was just my middle school but I don't know I like knew oh no I've definitely done that (laughs) I knew girls who would like you know like cut themselves but like they would do it in a very like obvious way and then like oh right they would yeah. like, like like carve something into their arm and the next day would like wear a tank top and it's like girl <laughs> it seems to the help we thought it was like <laughs> yeah or I mean it is but like a very yeah, different no, it way is, it really is. yeah it's kind of like oh right it's that but no I mean I, I feel like that just completely just full circle links into like the whole intensity of it again like this like teenage like it's like well it's that or I die you know what I mean it's literally like well fine it's it's just so um but that's been so good so romantic yeah the intense the intensity of it is ultimately is I think that's also why like there are so many movies made about teenagers and shows and stuff and that's why older people still like are in, like still engaged with that culture because mm-hmm. I think yeah you're right like the intensity of that period will never be topped again in your life basically like you never really mm-hmm. never will uh, nothing will ever feel as life or death as it does when you're like 17 like exactly I mean like there's power to you know growing old and being super wise and you've, you've been everything like sorry you've been everywhere you've done everything and but there's also there's on the flip of that there's there's also power in in the in the naivety of like of like teenagehood and just like I don't know what this world is about but this is how I feel and this is what I want to do and I, you know it's just impulsive and it's it's you know what but you're also exploring like whether it's sexuality or like genuinely just like on an adventure or whatever like it just there's just like a different type of like power and and just um like admiration you know right just yeah it's just a different type of intensity that ultimately is like kind of 
Yeah, it radiates like through the screen. Even if the actors are like 25, you can still feel the intensity. It doesn't yeah. really matter. <laughs> still feel it in my heart. My 16-year-old heart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never really get, I guess as you get older, you're just kind of like, I mean, I don't, I don't like the whole like, oh, you know, like adults are just like kids who have bills to pay. Haha. <laughs> like I hate the whole thing, like despise it with a burning <laughs> I know. passion. I know. I, personally, I'm like, despite all of my like worries about like not being a teenager anymore, like having responsibility and growing older, blah, 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 all of that. Like I've never been happier than I am now. I'd like, well, almost 22 and like I would never go back to being a teenager but like also the intensity of it is yeah is a is I'll alluring always be searching for it now. I mean but everyone is it's just like I don't know it is what it is 